In the holy name of Jesus, amen. So most of the time when I am uh, writing a sermon, figuring out what to talk about every week, which is a wonderful thing, um, I just kind of like pick one little thing that pops out to me in all of our readings. And there's so many things today um, that, that popped out. Um, what do you think about the Christ? Isn't that wonderful? Huh. What do you do when Jesus asks you, what do you think about the Christ? What a good question. But the thing that really stood out to me today, though, is this line from our psalm. God is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Because it is so opposite everything that we normally think about how God shows favor and who God likes. For how often have you been brokenhearted and thought that this means that God has afflicted you, that he doesn't care about you, or that he's even like cursed you in some way, that you've maybe fallen out of favor with him, maybe you did something to make God break your heart or crush your spirit. But then, when the unexpected good thing comes along, even just like a little thing here or there, a sunny day, then we can go along and sing a, a little to Deum and go our way confident of the Lord's blessings upon my beautiful life. Everything is perfect. But how much despair, how much suffering does it take for you to start wondering about things? You start asking the why, 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 why. Now, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know, one of the answers here is that um, your life, if God is really like rewarding you for all the things you do or don't do, if that's the way that it works, then your life should be a lot more miserable than it is right now. I mean, what do you deserve? What should be coming your way for your neglect of the word of God, for your neglect of your prayers, things like this, for your failure as husbands and fathers and sons? What do you deserve for your absolute disregard for what the Lord says about your life? What do you deserve for your life of sin? Well, nothing but death and destruction, the chaos and misery. The fact that you have a broken heart in the first place, though, is evidence that you see things in the right way. The fact that your spirit is crushed means that you recognize sin and its effects and grieve them rather than celebrate them. It might mean that you're kind of on the right path. And yet we are sheltered from what should be coming our way. You are brokenhearted, yes, but you have not been struck down by all these things. And you let in all these many woes, of course, but how much more should they be? The grass in the field is cut down and thrown into the fire. All flesh is grass, but you are here. You are here with your broken hearts, with your low spirits, 
For Jesus Christ is the one who says, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, all of you guys with the broken hearts and the crushed spirits, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, the people who skip church for weeks, for years, for decades, I think their problem might be that they're not broken enough. Because they still think they can do this all on their own. They don't need love. They don't need forgiveness. They have high spirits. They have happy lives. Because they walk around in this world with blinders on, maybe even a full blindfold, unaware of the depravity surrounding them. They will walk straight into a pit of destruction. And when they do, I pray that there is still a church there for them to run to, to hear the good news. I pray that there is still a church there for them to hear that the Lord has not forsaken them, but that he is nearer to those who are brokenhearted and those who are destroyed in spirit. Sometimes it happens that people will call me who I've never met before. It's fun. You should come and answer the phones at church sometime. Um, you never know who it's going to be. Um, this morning, Sharon Clark calls. Great tribulations. The car won't start. Great. We can, we can deal with this. We can fix this right away. And we got it, right? Look at that. Here she is. Sometimes other people call and they say, oh, this awful, terrible thing has happened to me. What do I do? I don't always know what to do. But they're right to call the church, though. That's why the church is here. I, mean, I hardly ever find anyone calling and saying, like, hey, I've just had a great day and I got to call and tell you about that, you know. Mm. But that's fine. Like the church is not here for all the people who have finally made it. The church is for the sinners to find mercy. The church is for the hypocrites who say one thing and do the other. And that they can't stand that they keep doing that. So I pray that they can find one of these fortresses here, one of these outposts of the kingdom of God that is fortified and built up with the gospel, with forgiveness and love, built up against and even within a world that is filled with nothing but sin and death. That those who are beaten down and broken by the world, this is who the Lord came to save. God does not need your pride. God does not need your victories or your victorious lives or even your best lives that you're living now. God does not need your egotistical accomplishments. He does not need all of your great awards. It's amazing. The Lord has this just awful habit of coming down and picking people who are already down. 
He comes and he finds people who are weak and who are questioning, who are brokenhearted themselves and who have nothing to give and who even aren't that sure in the Lord's mighty power. And the Lord does this wonderful thing. He comes and rather than snuffing the smoldering wick and rather than just snapping the bruised reed in half, he is gentle and kind. But why? Why? Perhaps it is because the Lord himself has been brokenhearted. Perhaps it is because the Lord's spirit has also been crushed. His child, his creation, this world, created out of love and created for beauty, this whole world decided to turn on him and turn away from him and to do our own thing rather than to listen and to love and to follow him. And so perhaps he comes to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit because they're right to be like that. And he comes to you because God is not insulated. He's not isolated from the feelings and from the emotions that you have. God is not far off and he's not aloof. He's not unfamiliar with what you're going through. He is not unaware of your struggles and of your sufferings. No, he hears them and he sees them and he feels them too. And the Lord hears the cries of the people who are stuck in slavery. The Lord executes justice for the oppressed and the sojourner, for the fatherless and for the widows. The Lord hears the words of those who have no voice in our world. The Lord hears the put-upon wives, the trafficked children. How can this be? And what can be done? We normally answer these questions with government. Well, we think we just elect the right guy who actually cares about people. Well, your government does not care about you individually. We all think that they're going to help us with this round of free money or the next one or that free money for different people. But they don't know you. They don't care about you. They can't. My president can't care about you individually. There's too many of us. For that matter, neither could a king or any other kind of ruler that you could come up with. They just really cannot care and love each and every single one of us. But the kingdom of heaven is different. Who is the Christ? What do you think about the Christ? The kingdom of heaven is very different than the way that this rule, this world is ruled. Because you are ruled over by a king who is fully human and fully God. And Jesus Christ is not half and half. 
Jesus Christ is not some sort of mutant or zombie or anything like that. He is not a man who became God, and Jesus is not a God who became man either. He is true God, true man. In his manhood, in his incarnation, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, born of a woman, knows the sufferings that you experience because he shares in them and he also suffers. He knows what it means to be a human being in this dark world because he is the light of the world and the darkness knew him not and ultimately killed him. All he wants to do is to love the world and the world says, no thanks, we don't want it. We can do it on our own. And Jesus Christ comes to suffer and to die and to obey every last bit of the law to fulfill all of it. And he does this individually and he grieves and he is frustrated and he is tempted and he is betrayed by his best and closest friends. So what? These things happen all the time, don't they? That's why you're familiar with him and his feelings. That's why you can read the Gospels and see how awful it must be for Peter to deny him those three times. Because you have experienced the same things. He's your brother. He is David's son. But he is also David's Lord. How can that be? Because he is not simply human. Jesus Christ is fully human. True God. True man. But God does not set his divinity aside when he is incarnate. Jesus Christ, true God, true man... One does not cancel out the other. Like, that's the amazing thing about the Lord's baptism is that the Lord comes, he sees Jesus uh, being baptized, and he says, oh, this is my beloved son. And we think, how could that be? He just looks like one of us. Oh, yes, exactly. He is true God. David's son, David's Lord. He takes the suffering and the death and rather than it simply being one man's suffering and death, which happens all the time, he does this for all mankind. And this is the consequence of his divinity, being the son of God and the son of man. His death is your death, and his resurrection is your resurrection, and his life is your life. Your burdens are his burdens, and your joys are his joys. So how do you know that this is for you? How do you know that he has come to save your broken heart and your crushed spirit? Because he has come individually, one-on-one -on -one with you, face-to-face. -face. That is our great hope, is to see him face-to-face. -face. And he has come to you, right to you, and he has spoken individually to you. And he has restored 
your heart, and he has come to you and seen that your spirit cannot handle what the world has to throw at you. So he says, you can have mine instead. He has come to you, and he has lifted your head, placed his name upon you, and he's given you his life. Jesus Christ, true God, true man, has come right down to you. Hmm. So what does this mean for us? Well, we love the sojourners, for we were once sojourners. We love the brokenhearted, too. For we are brokenhearted, we have been loved. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.